Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Alrighty, how's it going, Mets and overall baseball fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Believe in Queens. I do believe this is episode 46 now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rec. I think that's what we got going on at the moment. Yeah, you. Know. I don't count these things. Come yeah, on. I think I you're right, though. I do think you're right. I, I think, think it's right. 46, correct. So we'll yeah. go We'll go with that idea for now. So either way, you got myself already here. That's Anthony Recker. We have plenty of the latest Mets topics to get into. Uh, Joe Sorrell is not in attendance for this episode, but he should be back next week. So looking forward to having the game all back together. He's, com- he's covering yeah, something small called the Super Bowl. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's Just a little thing that's coming up this weekend. Actually, big I'm, time. I'm very happy so that you brought time. that up, Rec, because before we end the show, we got to give our Super Bowl picks. Naturally, we just have to do it. And see if, what, what people in the live stream think if they agree Peeps. or disagree. You're right. Eagles. What? Who said that? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, Either it's way, my Niners. My Niners fell apart. There's nothing I could do about it. No, no. You can, there's nothing you could do when Brock Purdy gets hurt and basically needs Tommy John surgery. It is what it is now. So now let's talk about the Mets here because the topics of discussion now are going to be headlined by Carlos Beltran back in the Mets organization. What does that mean in his current role for the Mets going forward? Why exactly did the Mets make that move along with the latest news and rumors overall for the Mets? And of course, looking at spring training, guys are already reporting days before pitchers and catchers are even supposed to report. So which prospect out of all the Mets prospects and attends are we most excited about watching this spring and plenty more? That's what we'll be getting into in this episode. But before we get into it all, for people on YouTube, make sure to smash that like and subscribe on. Greatly appreciate. Make sure to rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, I have to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. So make sure you head over to betonline.ag using promo. Promo code believe at B L E A V. That way you get yourself a 50% off welcome bonus. Bet online. It's where the games begin. And now, Rec, let's officially let the show begin because let's start with the Carlos Beltran news. You know, this was a, a pleasant surprise because I'm not sure how aware you were or how much discussions we had previously of this, but I do recall that last July in 2022, it was reported initially from Pat Regazzo, a good friend of mine on the beat for the Mets, that yeah, the Mets actually had interest heading into the offseason of interviewing Beltron for a coaching role. Apparently, when Buck first became manager of this Mets team, he wanted to interview him either as a bench coach or just somewhere to have him in his staff. In year one, the Mets said no. Apparently, according to front office, they did not necessarily love the idea of Beltron returning at that time. But fast forward a year later, Mets have the utmost respect and trust in not only Epler, but Showalter alike. So they went into this past offseason and tried interviewing Carlos for a coaching role in which he denied but now he signs with the Mets in a front office role as the assistant, uh, special assistant to the general manager, exactly what Billy Epper's role was during his time with the Yankees under Brian Cashman. So what's your raw reaction to that? First of all, I've always been interested in this role. I want to know what they do. Like it's a great question. Because yeah. I've seen I've seen some names. I, you know, I know Eric Chavez was a special assistant to Billy out in Anaheim. Now he's a hitting, well, was a hitting coach with the Mets. Now he's the bench coach of the Mets. So it's interesting kind of what that role is and what it entails. Cause I know with them, he was essentially, at least from what I gathered talking to him and others, um, sitting in on every meeting, meetings with the coaches, meetings with the front office, meetings with the, um, the, the stats guys, like uh, every, uh, the, the analytics team, everything that was going on, he was a part of it, and just kind of listening and learning and just, becoming um and and you know what he is now which is a well-rounded 
um, individual who's now a bench coach and on his way to become a manager. So it, it's an interesting role, and I've seen it take different forms. Obviously, Billy did it, um, you know, a long time ago under Brian Cashman, and he is a general manager now. So it's interesting to see kind of how that and where that role can go. Um, no surprise to me that he ends up, you know, there with the Mets under Billy Epler, um, has a chance to kind of recreate his himself and his image now, at least for, you know, another year or so, um, on his way to, I would imagine becoming a manager, um, sooner than later. And if not a GM, you know, it, it, he can learn and kind of pick where he wants to go. So great role for him. Great pickup by the Mets because there's a lot of knowledge in there that he can wisdom, uh, that he has about the game. He's hasn't been off the field for that long. Uh, very different, you know, vantage point than, than some of the others that are kind of in that front office or in on the coaching staff. So it's just going to offer a, another view of everything. Plus uh, having someone like him, who's just out of the game, I think gives them a chance when, when you're making trades and you're doing things, I think it allows him the opportunity and it allows this team the opportunity to have that fresh set of eyes just off the field. I'm not going to say it's a scout because it's not, it's almost a different set of eyes from the player's perspective, kind of like a scout. And I just, I really like that for this team. They didn't have anyone like that in the front office. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing to highlight here. You know, you look at what is around Epler prior to this hire in Beltron. There isn't a lot of guys with true baseball experience, right? Besides having their fellow uh, respective experience in front offices. So to bring in a ball player like Beltron, who has not only the utmost respect by so many people in the game. I mean, look, we all know what happened with the Astros Gene scandal. We're well aware of that. Yes, he was certainly a part of that. However, he shouldn't be used as this kind of scapegoat that he was the past couple of years where everyone else that's been involved is either still in the game, wasn't penalized at all with the rest of that Astros roster or two. I mean, management, I mean, he was right back in the game there with the Detroit Tigers. So uh, you look at Beltron, he's the only guy that's been that odd man out since the Mets hired him a couple of years ago for one day is really what it felt like right as their manager. So see him back in here. I think this is great for him. This will be great for his development and getting a post playing role. Yes. He was with yes network this past year, but you know, that isn't really going to move the needle much. We all know that Beltron wants to be part of an organization and no better time to do it here with the Mets now under Steve Cohen. So you get this type of experience with uh, with uh, Epler, which is going to be key. I also love the fact that it, simple things, just the fact that he's bilingual. Like, I think that's going to go a long way, especially with the other type of players on the Mets that are different Spanish descent. You can never go wrong there. And the type of story career they had, in my in my opinion, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer wasn't first ballot that we saw this past year, but we're not going to go on that tangent again when it comes to Hall of Fame and who deserves to be in it and who doesn't. Uh, what I do know is that Beltron is someone that's definitely going to bring quite the impact to this Mets team. And as you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see what this is going to lead to, right? Because, okay, assistant to the general manager, how much input is he going to have? Is he going to kind of be one where he's kind of shadowing Epler in a way where he's really just learning the ropes and sharing his personal experiences as a player and what he can chime in? I mean, he's fully aware when it comes to, you know, newfound analytics. He knows the new age numbers really well. And is he someone where a couple of years from now that he will want to continue to be in a front office role and a higher role? Or is this something where, he still could be considered as potentially a manager for the Mets once Buck Showalter's time is done. You know, when the Buck was originally trying to go after him for a role, my thought process, and I wonder if you agree or disagree, Rick, I'd imagine that that role would have been bench coach. So shortly after the uh, Beltron reportedly denied the Mets of 
accepting a position in that coaching role, you see the Mets move up Eric Chavez as the bench coach, who I'm not opposed to at all. I think Chavez definitely has a managerial ability in the future, whether that's with the Mets or with a different team. But Beltran's a really interesting one here because, yeah, I think you can look at it from one perspective. This still could mean that in the future he's looking for a managerial role with the Mets when Buck's time is done or somewhere else. Or two, he's actually going to continue to work up in the ranks in a front office and see where that can get him. So my question to you is, in your opinion, between the two roles, if you just had a guess, which one do you think is more likely to happen? Do you think he has coaching in his future? far more than front office or do you think front office this could actually lead to something maybe even potentially him being an assistant gm and a full-time gm down the road well i think that's what's great about this position is that it allows him the opportunity to figure that out yeah i don't think he knows i don't think you know so and and if carlos doesn't know you know how how can i speculate so realistically for me um you know i remember i I talked to um andrew bailey uh he was under billy in anaheim um, I don't know if his role was special assistant, but he was kind of that similar. He was just listening in on every meeting, on everything they were doing, and it gave him the opportunity to figure out where he fit and what he wanted to do. He ended up becoming a pitching coach. He's with the Giants. He's been doing phenomenal things over there. Um, you know, obviously with Eric Chavez, he did the same thing under Billy. He learned a little bit longer over there and and really explored the front office side. Then did a little bit of managing in the minor leagues barely um you know it wasn't even on a consistent basis it was almost like kind of fill-in type stuff and then you know obviously has kind of grown into the roles that he's grown into now I think it just depends on where it takes you what you like what what gets you going um and realistically like that's that's what you're going to be best at so that's where they end up you know utilizing you and so I think it's it's for all for Carlos to figure out on his own and I think that's what he's going to take this time to do now um it gives him the chance to to figure out like do I want to manage do I want to be a general manager? Do I want to be in the background somewhere? Do I want to be, you know, uh, helping guys out in in Puerto Rico or down in the Dominican? Or, you know, it, it's just going to give him an opportunity to figure out what he wants to do, um, both in the game and, you know, obviously with his family. So, yeah. And I think the final uh, note I'll share here on Beltron is. I'm just really happy that the Mets kind of gave him a second chance in a way. I know that they felt that they were tied uh, right away when all the reporting was coming out with the Astros cheating scandal. So you understood where they were coming from to make that rash decision when they did. However, I'm just happy that they were kind of able to make amends here. I don't know if there was any you know, bad blood that Beltron felt after seeming like he was going to be the Mets' next manager. And then before you know it, he's out of the league for at minimum. Well, that a was year, a different ownership group, right? Oh, like that, that was a yeah. different front office. Yep. So I, I, I tend to believe that they're probably, you know, at least on Carlos' side, I wouldn't think that there's any hostility. I mean, oh, the, yeah, no, that, that kind of the leads turnover. To yeah. So the turnover of the, of the people who truly, made the decision to hire him but then also made the decision to let him go like that i mean it almost doesn't even exist you know there are still some names that are consistent in the front office but um you know those decision makers if you will are all gone so i think it's uh, for him it's just a no lose situation he gets to come in learn be a part of a great organization right now that's on the rise and see where it goes yep and you know someone brought this up in the live stream i think this is a great point and I kind of want to highlight it now just so I don't forget before we get to some other topics because Matthew Allen, who has been one of the most coveted Mets pitching prospects over the past couple years, basically suffered essentially another Tommy John surgery. Uh, The guy hasn't pitched 
a minor minor league game, which was just single A back in 2019. Hasn't pitched since. I remember when the Mets first went out of their way to draft him. He was expensive at the time. The Mets had made sure to sway him that they, he was going to stay here versus going back to college. It was a big deal. And Allen seemed like he had all the tools to potentially be the next big thing for the Mets in this rotation for the years to come. But now as we fast forward multiple years, what, two and a half years at least, if not three, that Allen will not be pitching. I got to know what is your raw reaction to that wreck? Because for me, I one, I feel terrible for the guy. I know that he's just one of many pitchers that went through obstacles like this to start their young career. But two, I, I unfortunately, because of this reason, you'd have to imagine there's a large uncertainty on his future with the Mets organization as is. So I kind of want to know what your thought process is about uh, Matthew Allen's unfortunate situation. I just feel terribly for him. I, I just feel awful for him. Um, the talent, I can, I can remember, that was the first year I caught on with SNY and I started really covering the Mets yeah. and I didn't know who Matt Allen was at the time. Um, but going into that spring training and, you know, hearing all the things, seeing, you know, him working with the Grom and, and trying to learn and get better. And, um, you know, hearing some of the things that I had heard from people in the front office, from people in the media, from people who had been watching him. Um, it, it was nothing but such positive, positive news. This kid's going to be really something special. We're talking about a, you know, number one, two type of a starting pitcher. Um, he's got all the things that he needs, all the tools, physically, mentally, like, I mean, he's on his way. And then the first injury happens and it's like, okay, setback, he'll come back stronger. Like this is one of those things. And not to say that he still can't or won't, but just seeing this continuously um, you know, take its toll over years and years and years. He hasn't pitched competitively since 2019. Um, that's crazy when you think about it. That's brutal. Like for yeah. a kid his age who really needs the reps, you know, I, I think of a guy like Zach Wheeler who missed yes. basically two years. First, first thing I think about right away is Zach. Yep. Basically two years at this same age, um, you know, maybe even Zach was a little bit closer to the big leagues when it first happened. And so, you know, that was much more difficult um, oh, I'm sorry. He was already in the big leagues. I should say, what am I saying? Um, you know, he had already made, you know, a little bit of a footprint in the big leagues and it already, you know, started to realize some of that potential. And, and it's like, you just want to see him continue to grow. And then he gets sidetracked and it took him years to get to where he is now. Now he's a, you know, year after year, potential ACE, you know, Cy Young award winner, but it took him a long time to get there, to recover from it. And, uh, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard to see this happen. Um, you know, to a kid like Matt Allen, who has everything in front of him, still does and could still be a great, great pitcher in Major League Baseball and probably will be. But just to see the years get, you know, kind of sucked off of his career uh, on this side of it, it's just so disappointing because what do we love more than anything in Major League Baseball? It's young, exciting, like, you know, potential raising talent. And, and just to see him not get that opportunity right now is really disappointing. I'm just hopeful that uh, everything finally comes together for him now a year plus down the road and he can finally start to to pitch in competitive games and really start to realize some of that some of that potential yeah no i think that was well said i mean when alan was originally drafted by the mets and the build up to him it felt ecstatic you know it feels like yesterday i was watching him in spring training alongside jacob Degrom for the first time getting those yep. reps and just seeing what that feel was like and the Mets were putting this kid on a pedestal really fast and for good reason. Yeah. So again, for him, I fast. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could argue that that's another, that's a different. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But think about, think about who 
was running things when that was happening too. I know. You know it is a know. completely different front office and coaching. Well, it's staff, a different so. part of the organization too at that time. Like they were trying to build back up again quickly because things yeah. had kind of fallen off a cliff. And so you needed something to cling on to. And you know, that's unfortunately sometimes they choose these young kids who oh, that pressure that comes with that. Like, oh, it's so tough. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we now talk about from one Mets prospect who unfortunately has fallen quite a bit from where he was in regards to hype and expectation, let's talk about another, not the exact same situation, but a long par this situation far worse, however, and that is regarding clearly as he was a CFA by the Mets over the past couple of days. And if you're wondering why exactly that was, I mean, Lee just two years ago, one of the first few moves under Steve Cohen was part of a three team trade that was headlined by Andrew Benatendi. Uh, going to the Kansas City Royals from the uh, from the Boston Red Sox, Cole Lee, who was a top ten prospect coming into the Mets at the time, outfielder in that deal, um, someone who struggled mightily this past year, uh, ha- got sent down all the way, I believe, to Single A to work on his swing again, and then was able to find his game quite a bit towards the end of the season. Uh, but you know, not too great. Hit a home run for the Mets, even when he was caught up on desperate measures for them uh, out in Anaheim against the Angels, but. Now Lee is currently under investigation by the MLB because of a obstruction of breath, I believe is what they called it. Um, Just a bad situation. Just in a nutshell, should the allegations hold true? His ex-girlfriend stated that she caught him cheating. And in that confrontation, um, in doing so, he was just very abusive, choked her and things of that nature, which is absolutely terrible. I truly hope that that is not the case, uh, which would mean that one, she didn't get hurt and two, that, you know, nothing bad happened on his front, but should this hold true, then obviously that's a terrible thing. And it makes perfect sense for why the Mets made this decision. Um, just a really, really unfortunate one to say the least. So Lee looking like he's going to be out of the Mets organization. Uh, it just feels inevitable. He can obviously be cleared of waivers, but still I, I don't imagine he'd stay in the Mets organization unless something drastically changes in the near future. I don't think it's going to with this investigation. So as a corresponding move, uh, for the Mets, they did bring in a pitcher that you are familiar with, that being in Sam Coonrod, who was recently with the Philadelphia Phillies the past two years on a waiver claim. So, Rec, uh, any further comments on the Khalil Lee situation? And two, what are your thoughts on Sam? On Khalil Lee, I mean, there's not much to comment on. Uh, it's not um, these situations, these domestic abuse situations that pop up time to time with athletes. Um there's no room for it. There's no place for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's disgusting. Um, I read the article. Um, if yep. you haven't read it, I, I suggest you do. So you're completely informed on the accusations. Um, from that point, the Mets, I assume will, I, I assume no one will pick him up and I assume that they will release him um, from, and I'll, I'll try to stay on the positive side of this, Sam Coonrod coming over um, picking him up off waivers. It's, it's interesting to me. This guy has really good stuff, really good stuff. When you watch him pitch, the ball explodes out of his hand. Um, he spins it well, good slider. I, I, I really think he has an opportunity to parlay his stuff into real meaningful statistics, which we haven't seen yet in his career. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that, um, is interesting. Um, this is one of those kids who, He's a kid. He's 30 now. I mean, he's not, he's not a kid anymore and he doesn't have a ton of big league experience, um, but he's been around, he's been around long enough. And I think getting him together with Jeremy Hefner, kind of seeing what they can get out of him. It's certainly worth putting him on this roster right now and just seeing what happens. 
um, this guy could be a legitimate um, weapon out of the bullpen. I mean, we're talking about 100 miles an hour. He's touching 100 with a a nasty slider. Thing touches 95. Um, He's got electric stuff. It's just can he throw strikes and can he, you know, execute, hit spots? Um, Because it's not the type of – even though it's electric, it's it's not swing and miss right now for some reason. Whether I haven't I haven't watched his film enough. I've watched him pitch and I love it. I think he's got explosive stuff. I've always thought, why is this kid not dominating? Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he can do under Jeremy Hefner because Hef's great at what he does. And I think they can certainly maximize his potential. And if they do, they just found a gem. And and it's gonna be really fun to see um someone who I could see, you know making the roster out of camp potentially if he comes in and has a great camp and really responds well to this it could be uh it could be something special yeah when you look at Coonrod's arsenal you know he's averaging 97 miles per hour on the heater so he does touch uh top uh triple digits as you mentioned mm-hmm. also this is a slider which sits 93 nasty change up 90 85 curve i remember him with the phillies this past year i did see the struggles i had with commanding that zone again when you yeah. have when you have these wildy relievers which there's an abundance of in the game today right it's just one of those things can you get them to control that zone and that's something where when it comes to giving credit where credit's due we've seen a lot of great work that uh from jeremy hefner has done over the past couple of years and one i will always highlight it yes i know he's a veteran so maybe it's not as impressive as others but i'm gonna keep barking up that adam Adovino tree as long as i possibly can when you go from a five walks per nine entering your tenure with the mets to around two i mean come on yes it was a lot of work on Adovino's part but surely hefner had a factor into that and the mets coaching yep. staff overall and you can expect the same should they get success here with sam now sam overall in his career not phenomenal numbers i mean he has a career 5.27 year ray through projections which you know take them with a grain of salt they really don't mean much we don't even know if the guy is going to get many innings if at all with the mets this year uh, but he is projected to pitch around 34 to 40 innings this year and looming between at lowest a 3.95 year rate to highest of four four and a half so we'll see what coonrod brings to the mets but i do like again the nasty, the wildness that he brings. If you can just get him right, that's always a positive. Because when you look at the depth chart for this Mets bullpen right now, they've done a lot of these waiver claims, which again, guys that have upside. They aren't just, you know, guys are completely gassed and they have no upside at this point in their career, just vets. And you know them by the name and the name only at this point. You know, if you look down the list, Zach Green, who is a youngster, a uh, big right-hander that they acquired in the Rule 5 draft from the Yankees, should he stay on the Mets roster, he will be in the Mets bullpen, enter the year. If not, then he'll go back to the Yankees, I believe. And I think don't the Mets don't the, is it the Yanks or the Mets that pay like a certain fee or whatever it is? So the Mets, the Mets paid to take him from the Yankees. They paid, yeah. I believe it's 50,000. And then if they return him, they get 25 back. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Those, those are the rules a few years ago. I don't know if they still are the rules, but it's something along those lines. So you got Zach Green, right? And these are all guys that aren't guarantees to be in the pen, but are all going to be competing for it right now. You got Zach mm-hmm. Green, Jeff Brigham, which is a very interesting name. Nasty Slider. I'm excited to see if he's going to have a decent impact with the Mets this year and that trade with Eliza Hernandez to start the offseason for Miami. Sam Coonrod that we just met, mentioned. Bryce Montez Diaca, who I think a lot of people are forgetting about, made his MLB debut with the Mets down the stretch. Again, another guy with nasty flame-throwing stuff. 
just about commanding that zone. It's good that the Mets at least got a couple reps in with him before the year ended. That should help him come this spring. Steven Ridings, the towering right-hander from the Yanks as well that they picked up off waivers. Didn't really pitch at all them past year due to injury, but he's a guy that, while he's expected to start in AAA, could be a factor for the Mets at some point this season once he gets you know his legs under him a bit. Then you have the Tommy Hunters of the world, the TJ McFarlands, who I know definitely can be a sneaky depth option as a southpaw on the pen. Jimmy Yacobonis, another interesting name too, a guy with plenty of movement on that slider especially. And then Zach Muckenhern, another southpaw. William Woods, who the Mets actually DFA'd but brought back because he cleared. Uh, young, I think he's, how old is he? He's in his early 20s from the Atlanta Braves organization. That was a high riser in the minors. And Eric Orsi, who's looking to bounce back for sure. Uh, that's still with the Mets. And one more that I actually want to give credit. I'm blanking on who it was in our in the live streams here on YouTube that mentioned him a lot. I think, I think it might have been Ed Flood. If not, I apologize. I know that there was someone that harped on Grant Hartwig all year for the Mets. And this guy skyrocketed through the minors. And he's another name that is on the uh, you know, the non-roster invite to spring training that's going to be looking to make, make an impact. Another sneaky name. So out of all those relievers, you can just tell, again, the Mets, they have an abundance of depth. And I think acquiring Coonrod, who still has one more minor league option left, leads you to believe that them landing even still Andrew Chafin as much as I would love it or Zach Britton. It, it doesn't look likely. It seems like that they're pretty comfortable with what they have right now, unless proven otherwise they want guys with options. They know injuries are going to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how this pen shakes up, but they have plenty of options and the more depth, the better. Uh, I do see one donation uh, I'll address real quick because this goes in hand with sprain from Ed says, did you guys see Nemo Kani? And Nemo's looking really, really good health-wise. He looks like a G.I. Joe out there. I love it. Brandon Nemo just got his new bag of a contract with the Mets, and he, like Brett Beatty, like Francisco Alvarez, like Mark Vientos, Omar Narvaez, the only difference between him and the most other guys I've reported is that, again, Brandon Nemo isn't a guy trying to compete for a spot this year. You know, he's already got that bag, and he's already hungry to be there upwards of 10 days early before even pitchers or catchers report to spring. So anything that you want to talk about uh, regarding Nimmo and the Mets as they're get, finally starting to get started here with spring training. Again, the guys are starting to show up, and I have to commend all the players, especially if you're not a pitcher or catcher, that are going that early, just hungry to get the year started. It's always awesome to see. Yeah, no, I think in my three years with the Mets, um, my first year, I got there really early. I got there early to mid January, it was probably around January 13th or so, maybe even earlier than that. I got down to spring training, but down to Florida. Um, I wanted to make a good impression. I wanted them to see me. I wanted them to see how hard I work. Um, you know, after that, it was just getting down there with the guys and starting to get ready for the season. And I think that's what you see this team doing. They enjoy going down there, putting in the work and, and being around each other. And that's really cool. That that's, that's special. Um, as far as Nimmo, dude, he's always been, kind of a beast it's it, you may not have always noticed it he's a sleeper he might be a little bit it might be a little bigger but he's always been like broad shouldered like yep. he's always been thin you know and he's respect, always looked broad he's always been cut right up, about like, that oh always yeah. always broad. but he's always been cut up he's always kind of had like the the bold shoulder like i mean he's he's a big he's slapped together man he's always been like that um so that doesn't surprise me he's always been kind of and and every year at least for me and i'm sure a lot of guys you get to spring training 
feeling and probably looking as good as you're going to look the entire year because once that <laughs> grind starts it's hard to keep that up it's tough to stay like that but um yeah no he I mean he looks great a lot of guys yeah come to spring training in the best uh best shape of their lives you know best shape of my life um but i, I love it that's that's what you're supposed to do that's what the off season's for get your body right get ready um you know physically and mentally and be ready to start the year and speaking of guys who are ready to start the year, I know we talked about him quite a bit, and we will more throughout the spring because he's going to be having quite the impact as a major starter at third base for the Mets with Eduardo Escobar and Mark Vientos playing for their respective countries in the WBC. But Brett Beatty, uh, a really interesting piece of an article came out from Will Salmon of The Athletic over the past week. I did a video on the channel separately about it, uh, but for those who aren't aware, Rick, I'm not sure how aware you are, Beatty spent extensive time this offseason working on his defensive game with Troy Tulowitzki, which I think is fantastic. And Troy, mm -hmm. uh, what Beatty highlighted, which is great, is that you know he, there was no beating around the bush with explaining what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong. He got constructive criticism, exactly what he needed to really guide him because he, um, uh, Troy openly said, you know, that, yeah, he definitely needs more work, but he just needs more reps. Unlike guys that say don't have enough arm strength or don't have enough uh, enough athleticism that is in the case of Beatty he has no, all the tools in no. the world this kid's he, a super athlete man. yeah he, and super he's a, and he's a hit and he's a hitter first first mm -hmm. and foremost and Troy really uh, emphasized that too and that's great to see once you got that down just work on the defensive game but to hear the type of positivity that he gave towards Beatty who again they first met each other through high school I believe from what Beatty noted as interview uh there with Will Salmon over the phone but he worked extensively on his defense all off season lawn in Texas and also worked with some uh, fellow strong gloves. And the big one that he worked with was with Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman, in my opinion, is the best defensive third baseman in the game today, a multi-time platinum Glover currently with the Toronto Blue Jays got a chance to work out and really learn quite a bit with him. So just having all this, you know, this influx of knowledge is definitely something that can only benefit Beatty. Who's ready to go already working his tail off there and spring with the Francisco Alvarez is the Mark Vientos is et cetera. So just want to make a note of that. And regarding Alvarez, who's looking great as ever, absolutely jacked, ready to hit some nukes uh, this spring. They're going to get plenty of playing time during that span. He has worked heavily on his English all off season long to really make sure that he can have a proper dialect with the pitchers uh, for the Mets starting staff, which I really like because again, is it something that is absolutely necessary for players? No, it's not. I mean, we, you obviously know there are plenty of players out there that, you know, are Spanish first or, you know, let's say Senga, for example, Japanese first, and they don't really need to make that adjustment too much. But as a catcher, I really commend Alvarez for doing this personally for himself to kind of just take him a step further than what he currently was and making sure that there's no confusion in game. And we know that uh, things are going to have to be faster now with the pitch clock. So that's a, that could be another thing to keep in mind with Alvarez and really stop process about going about this. But uh, record. Yeah, well, hold on. Let me, let me jump in there real quick because make no mistake. That communication from a catcher to the umpire, catcher to the pitching coach, pat, ca catcher to obviously your starting yeah. pitcher, your relievers as they come in the game, it has to be quick, it has to be concise, and it has mm -hmm. to be good. Um, so yeah, you know, got to commend him there. That's that's so important, and those are the little things that you have to work on, um, you know, throughout the course of your career if you want to be great. And it's good to see him already, you know, seeing something that could be considered a weakness. I mean, I, I, I could have never, and I was not even allowed to talk to, you know, teams from Japan or Korea or anywhere, because as a catcher, if you can't speak to the pitcher, if you can't communicate with the pitcher, 
what good are you? Nope, you're, you're not, you're not going to be right. So it wasn't even a possibility for me to go over there and play. So for him to recognize that, you know, at, at his young age, it's awesome. That's, that's the type of stuff you want to see out of, out of your young, you know, uh, prospects. Yep. And we know that the Mets obviously have an abundance of prospects that aren't already arriving at spring training, but will be in the coming weeks. It's crazy that we're just over a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. And again, opportunities are certainly going to be there for guys to impress with what's going to look like upwards of 12 Mets starters that will be attending the World Baseball Classic. That's going to be a lot of fun to cover separately. But in doing so, as we mentioned, you know, there's going to be opportunities, especially for Alvarez, because while right now he's working heavily with Omar Narvaez, Narvaez has been with him. It feels like every step of the way so far this spring, which is what you expected when the Mets made that signing. So I'm happy about that. But he will be playing for Team Venezuela uh, this uh, this spring. So he will not be with Alvarez a whole lot once we get to March 10th and all the players are reporting to their respective countries by that point. So um, my question to you, though, Rec, is out of all the prospects that we see this spring, not only the main guys that are expected to have an impact on the Mets this year and the Beatys, the Vientoses, the Alvarezes, but even the guys that are non-roster invites, if you will, like first-timers like Kevin Parada, who's surely a high-riser. He's already going to be starting the year in double-A. I don't think it's going to take him on to get to the bigs at all, if I'm being quite honest with you. Um, you know, you think of Ronnie Mauricio, um, Alex Ramirez. I mean, there's a lot of interesting names here to watch. So which one do you think is going to stand out the most, in your opinion? Like, which guy are you most excited about to see the spring? Yeah, I mean, Alex Ramirez has me very excited. Parada, obviously, is a catcher. Um, but Ronnie Mauricio, I mean, this kid went down and dominated, dominated the Dominican Winter League, league MVP. Um, I've been hearing his name for years now. And yeah, to see kind of the maturation offensively that he's taken on that apparently is real. I mean, this kid looks like he could be the real deal offensively. Um, I know he still had some problems defensively, even in the Dominican Winter League. I know there was I can remember at least one or two games where he had three errors over at third base and you know, still struggled defensively. So I'm really watching him. I want to see not offensively. Like I, I believe that's going to be there. I believe the hit tool is going to be there. He can, he can run. He's, you know, I want to see him defensively. I want to see him out there in the field. I want to see him putting in the work behind the scenes um, to become a consistent defensive. Uh, really, he should be working at short and then you can move from there. He can go to second base. He can go to third base. Is it a smooth, easy transition to third base? Not necessarily, but I would still love to see him, um, you know, really working defensive side of the ball and just to see where he can go because I think he could be a really big piece for a team that could potentially use a third baseman, could potentially use another outfielder. Like there's going to be opportunities for people to fill in on this team, um, you know, when injuries happen. He could be one of those names that ends up getting called because the bat is there defensively is he going to be there for them to trust him to give him that opportunity that's the thing that we'll have to wait and see and i want to see that in spring training mauricio is truly that wild card you know i've talked about him since i started making content covering the mets in december of 2020 i feel like i've involved him in a lot of you know potential trade packages just because the initial thought process from the beginning is like okay where is he going to play simple as that right but what we've seen with mauricio over the past year yeah, he didn't have a dominant year by any means um, playing in Brooklyn in the minor still. However, he's someone that you know, and pardon me, is he just in Brooklyn or did he actually play with Bainton this past year? He played in Bainton, right? No, yeah. he was in he, he was in double A a little bit, I believe. Okay, too, yeah. all right, yeah, just making sure. Um, Mauricio, like, slowed I'll double down check a bit. Just to be sure. With, yeah, with the other Mets top prospects, but 
over the past year, he's gained plenty of weight. And we're not talking about, you know, lazy weight. We're talking about pure muscle. Now, I don't know exactly everything from this article, so I'm not going to try to misspeak here. However, I do believe a factor in Mauricio's growth was something personal that happened with him and his family, um, which was a factor in why he was kind of tall and scrawny the way he was for a bit, but has found new spirits over the past year and was really able to kind of focus more on himself and have a healthier, happier mindset. And in doing so, we saw him, again, look in the best shape possible yet, gain Mm -hmm. a lot of muscle, and we saw him just dominate and quite literally be the best player in the Winter Dominican League. Um, And he spent the entire year in AA this year. Okay, gotcha. So it's interesting 26 how bombs. 20, yeah, he's got the power and mm-hmm. the appeals there for sure. Now the question is, okay, you're not going to play it short. If you're a Met, could you be considered at third? Could you be considered at second? Could we give you reps in left field? Like this is it going to be a big test for the Mets this year? Cause he definitely looks like a guy that the Mets decide not to trade does have that bat to ball skills. It's just about really making sure that he takes more of his walks. It, you know, he's been big swing and miss. We've known that and the Myers, but Really, really interesting name. He's not even a top 100 prospect right now. Like, he's slept on by a lot of people. And, again, I, I understand there's a lot of great young prospects coming into the game through the past couple drafts. And the Mets, again, if you look at the MLB pipeline, they had four to five prospects on there. Mauricio wasn't one of them. I believe their lowest pick was Alex Ramirez, you know, in the 90-somethings. But, yeah, I like I like that pick from Mauricio. He's going to be fun to watch. For me, it's, it's naturally hard not to say that I'm going to be excited about watching Alvarez and Beatty. But at the same time, I am really inclined and excited to watch Kevin Parada because I really mm-hmm. haven't seen much of him at all. So, like, he's a guy that I've, I've seen his highlights for Georgia Tech. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've seen his little highlights here and there that he's done the minors quickly. Um, the fact that he's starting in double-A this year, according to Joe DeMeo. Shout out to Joe. I think he was actually watching the show earlier in the live stream uh, for us. Joe's the live. man. Um, yeah, I think he's already starting the year in double-A. So, Parada's bat-to-ball skills look absolutely phenomenal that's why he was such a high riser in the draft over the past year um but i'm excited probably most to watch him among the guys because Beatty, i i expect him to rake alvarez i expect them to rake but guys i just haven't really gotten much of a visual yet kevin prada is that guy and big thing with him too is is he going to be a catcher his whole career is he going to be put in the corner i mean his athleticism is apparently off the charts where he's he can be comfortable moving wherever the mets would need him be but so that's that's why i want to see him stay a catcher because that's those are the guys that are the i mean premier catchers in the game like that's that's where that's where it's at right now ali rutschman's an athlete sean murphy's an athlete like these young kids that are coming up uh, they're athletes and and they're great catchers because that's a good that, that's, that's actually yeah, I, 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 like I love that. that. I, I I just I just I just I want to see him fulfill that potential. Look, if it ends up being somewhere else and he ends up having a great career, good for him. I like I just but I think that's that would be a great place for him to stay. I know they have Alvarez, um, but that doesn't mean Alvarez can't, you know, DH or or move to first base or whatever it is. You know, if he's athletic enough to go somewhere else in the in the field, I don't know. We'll find out. But um, I, I just I would love to see this kid get that opportunity because th- he's got nothing but rave reviews throughout college for his defensive ability behind the plate as a catcher. So would love to see him stick there. Yeah. And you know, when I think about guys, that have that athleticism, you know, you brought up a great point because the top catchers in the game right now, I, I think of if it's not like Rushman, who I think is going to be there very soon. I mean, phenomenal talent, but you know, you still think of what the Phillies got over there still. And he's Real just, middle. he's still to this point. Didn't even want to say his name, huh? 
No, I, I, I didn't because of the fact that he should be a Met in hindsight. It is what it is, though, now. But, hey, we got Armar Narvaez. We got nothing to worry about, Rick. Um, I really like when you look at a Real Muto, and he looks like a guy that could play the field pretty much any position that you're asking, right? He could. And he could be a second baseman, third baseman. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, he has that build. And that is what about Alvarez, while I'm excited as all hell for Alvarez, I'm curious how much development he's going to get defensively there. Like Alvarez, just on his build alone, gives me, you know, Yadier Molina. Uh, like when you're talking what could be best defensively, but build-wise, it could be a Yadier Molina or it could be a Wilson Ramos. Like what? What are we getting here in him? Is he going to mm-hmm. be just a future standalone DH, which is very possible? We're not too sure yet. But Parada, you know, I think of a catcher going from uh, catching position uh, to the corner outfield, and the first guy that pops in my mind right away is he good defensively? No, but he can do the position. Is Kyle Schwarber first name that pops in my head? So. Yeah, again, I'm excited to watch these guys for sure uh, this spring. I know plenty of you guys are, so we'll be following it all on as it happens. Um, but now, before we wrap things up and get out of here, I do want to address a donation. Sean, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Appreciate everyone watching the live show as well or watching a replay. Always appreciate you guys. And we'll be coming back at you next week, uh, right after the Super Bowl. It's going to look like on that Tuesday, hopefully. And, you know, Rex, do you have any final comments on the Mets right now before we get into some Super Bowl talk for a minute? Because it has to be done. Uh, on the Mets, no. I'm I'm just – I'm getting more excited about this team. I think you talked about their, their bullpen depth, um, their depth that they have at starting pitcher, uh, which goes hand-in-hand with having so much bullpen depth. It allows you to keep guys, you know, like Peterson and McGill, um, solely focused on on being starters. Um I still think there's some room, you know, within the lineup to to get a little bit more power. Um, but that said, like th- this team looks really good. There's not a whole lot of you know, obvious holes, and I think that's a great spot to be heading into spring training. Now we're going to see what happens. You know, do the those competitions that we're talking about play out, and and guy the best comes out of these guys, and then of course, does everybody stay healthy? Would love to hear and see all of that so that we can go into the season with. Um, you know, a full roster, and in which case the, the Mets will be as poised as anyone to get off to a great start, which gives you a great chance at deadline time to to make your team what you need it to be. So um, outside of that, man, I'm just I'm just excited for this team. It's at that time, man. As, as a player, when you got to February, it was like, bring it on. I'm ready. I don't care. Like, I'm ready for the season to start. Let's go straight to April. Like, you get into spring training, you want to get those first couple weeks in, get a couple ABs in. By March 1, you're ready to go. But seriously, like, um, you at this point you're just itching so much to get on the field and get playing that it, it doesn't even matter. You just want to get you just want to get out there on the field. So um, I miss that, but I'm I'm happy to see what these guys can do this year. As am I. And you know you look at how fast I feel like this off season has gone on. And I don't know if that's not only because the Mets had a hectic off season for a large port uh, portion, um, but two, you know, going after this off season when last year we had to deal with the lockout. This felt just like it feels like yesterday for me still that the Mets season ended against the Padres, right? Like I'm excited as all. I mean, just saw on the schedule that the first spring training game, I think, is February 25th. I'm like, oh, my God, it's around the corner. Um, I can't wait. I'll be in attendance for spring training for those that don't know. I'm looking like I'm eyeing the second uh, second to third week or so of March. So I'll keep you guys updated with that. That should be a lot of fun. But, yeah, I'm just ready to go as well as a fan. And, yeah, excited to see what happens there. But. Do have two comments we'll get to, then we'll get to our Super Bowl talk. Did you hear it says Esser 
Uh, Correa opted out of the World Baseball Classic of Puerto Rico. Interesting. I'm glad you commented this because Brandon Nemo is not playing the World Baseball Classic, by the way. There was belief that he committed Italy. He's not playing for them now. And uh, two, Kodai Singa is not playing the World Baseball Classic either, uh, for those that aren't aware. Uh, but plenty of Mets still are. Um, and Correa isn't playing the World Baseball Classic because I'm pretty sure he's due. Like his his wife is going to be having kids sooner than later. Yep. And the Twins just didn't want to have it be a situation where it could just, you know, cause him to potentially miss extended playing time, I'm sure. So that is the main factor behind why. It's not a health reason, according to the Twins, at least. We'll see how healthy Correa is this year and in the years going forward. Edward, a donation. Let's go Knicks get a start. Thank you for that. I was at a Knicks game uh, back a couple days ago. Of course, it wasn't the great win they had the other night against the Sixers after being down 20-plus points. It was the night before uh, where it looks like that they were going to have a miraculous win. And then Batum hits a game tying three uh, at the buzzer. You Knicks fans were, are hilarious, man. I'll tell you it, what, you guys it, are something. It was that's, it was that's a, that's a tough one. First that's first tough ever one. Knicks game sold out Garden um, on Saturday. Knicks were down eight to ten points like each quarter. Get on a little run. I mean, then you saw uh, who was it? Why am I blanking right now? Um, someone hit a three. I don't know why I'm blanking for whatever reason. Brunson tied it. Then a three was hit. And that gave the Knicks the lead with like 40 seconds left. And I was losing my mind. So even though, even though they lost still a great experience, um, so you shout out the Knicks fans in here too. Appreciate that. But now let's get into football. So you already made your pick and I don't blame you. I have to make my pick now um, for uh, betting reasons, because I will be out of town sooner than later. And the area that I'll be in, I cannot bet because it's not legal in that area. So I have to do it now. Um, I'm laughing at Ed, who said, "If we suck, let us be." I'm not. I didn't say you suck. I just, you know, I just, I'm just commenting that it's 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 tough to be a Knicks fan. That's listen, all. listen. That's the Knicks have been struggling all night against the Orlando Magic. You have everywhere in the world to talk your shit, wreck. We get it. All right. I'm really not. I'm a. I, I grew up rooting for every team that was good in the late '80s, early '90s. So I'm okay. a Bulls fan. Like okay. as, I, I, I didn't like Philly teams. I'm a Bulls fan. I got nothing to cheer about. Like the Bulls have been a wreck for a while. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm laughing, but I'm kind of laughing with myself, with you Knicks fans. Like I, it, I don't feel you for, you know, it's not the same amount of time. You know, obviously the Bulls had a different run there in the middle of the nineties, but I, it's still like, come on for the last 20 years, they've been an absolute train wreck. Yes. Yeah. You're not wrong <laughs> at all. And you know, this Super Bowl is exciting for me. And, I, I'm honestly, I don't know about you, but I'm a really big fan of the fact that this is like the Kelsey Bowl. I really, I'm a it's fan. Cool. I'm it's a cool. fan of the Kelsey Brothers. Brothers. I've been watching their podcasts literally since their first episode came out, what felt like a while ago. Oh, Boba Shit just signed a three year extension um, with the Blue Jays, by the way. So that was just reported. So there you go. Just side baseball news uh, for people that are watching the show live. So three year um, extension, that just takes him through his arbitration, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So that's all that does. Um, but yeah, no, I'm happy for the Kelsey brothers. It's pretty cool for him and his fam, uh, them and their families to experience. But I mean, I got to go Chiefs all day. I'm, you know, knocking on wood, try not to jinx it. I live in Eagles territory. I'm like an hour out of Philly. Um, I, I, that's all I really got to say. I, I despise all things Philly. I have no yeah. personal issue with people that are a Philly fan, but I just, I just can't stand them. I'll Never say good, flat out well. before the season started, before last two, well, two weekends ago, a week and a half ago before they beat my Niners because they were just got beat up that day. Um, I, I I had said from before the season started that the Eagles were going to be the team to beat because offensively 
they're going to be insanely explosive and defensively they have playmakers everywhere and they do they have playmakers on both sides of the ball all over the place um if i had to say who i honestly think is going to win the game i i think i think the eagles have more talent um patrick mahomes is patrick mahomes um that's not to throw any shade on jalen hurts because he's really good but mahomes is special man he's special andy reed is special um and i like some of the youth on that you know kansas city team I, I do think that the Eagles are more talented. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles win. I, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. And this but. is kind of like the least surprising Super Bowl because heading into the year from the AFC, the favorites were the Bills, the Chiefs. One and two. Bengals right there too, don't get me wrong, but yep. it was that three-headed monster. And then as soon as the Eagles, just the whole first half plus of the year, were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to lose a game, it became abundantly clear that the Eagles were the team to beat, if not just mm-hmm. for the NFC. Then the this NFL is the opposite of the baseball playoffs. Like the baseball playoffs, just like all hell oh, broke loose this past show. year. Yeah. And then the NFL it was like, no, the better team won every single game. <laughs> and if the Eagles don't win, then the uh, the Philly sports will have hit the trifecta over the past six months with going to major championships and losing. First with, was the MLS uh, with the Union. They lost in the oh, championship okay, game. Okay. Then you had, of course, the Phillies in the World Series and hopefully the Eagles. So, I mean... It, no offense, oh, but I'm, I'm wishing absolute hell on, on, oh, on the city it. of Philly. I love it. I can't not do I love it. it. So, yeah, we're going to be a big game, though. Also, for my UFC fans, big card this Saturday, too. I'm not. I'm sure you probably don't watch much UFC, do you, Rec? I'm not. I'm not a UFC guy at all. Oh, I'm a massive UFC guy. Big, big I card. For the, I don't get for it. those that are following, you got Islam Makachev, who's like Habib Nurmagomedov 2.0, and then he's going to be facing off against uh that being and volkanovsky who both both of them are the i champs. see i wouldn't even want to have to say those names like i'm good I, I'm, yeah no i but i i love i've i've been loving the sport for years so i'm this is a big card it would have been bigger i'm a boxing fan let's talk some boxing <sighs> boxing like, is lame as shit wreck boxing is okay. lame as shit i'm if sorry you're watching some floyd mayweather flat fights it's lame but i mean come on like some of these so I, I guess i grew up in like the evander holyfield days yes and, you grew you know, up in like a this, good era for boxing I love boxing. Canelo yeah. Alvarez is. Have you ever watched a Canelo fight? I have, but they're boring oh. nowadays. You know what to no, expect. No, not Canelo. No, 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 Can- no, no. I'm a Canelo guy. It's a same. I'm, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with Canelo. He's I want. I want. I want to do like. I want to do like some charity boxing events or something like that. Be that cool. would be cool. That'd be really. Cool. I I love UFC because you have the boxing element, but there's so much more things that can happen. The element of surprise is always there. There's unpredictability that you get in UFC that I feel is unmatched in comparison to boxing. Because Canelo, I just don't I want mean, to be you watching know out Canelo's for like never going to lose and for the most feet part. and like, like at least I know it's coming from one place when I'm boxing. Well, like, that that's, it shows you in just a how ring with MMA. I'm about. like, dude, this guy could like kill me in like twelve different ways and I wouldn't even see it coming. Like that, nah, I'm but, good. Like, I just, yeah, let exactly, me, let me, let's exactly. stick up gotta, here. This is good. Got to be ready and. It, it makes it makes for fun the element of surprise because there have been some like knockouts where like no one expected it. I mean that that's mm-hmm. always going to happen. Like this year, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more of them. But yeah, I'm personally a big big lover of UFC. Always will be. Big card this weekend would have been better. Um, Whitaker was supposed to be on the card. He's another really good fighter. Unfortunately, isn't because the guy who's supposed to fight in Paulo Costa had to be out because he's in contract negotiations with the UFC. Still, I just feel bad for Whitaker because the fight I believe is in Perth. 
Australia and Whitaker and Volkanovsky. They're both either Australian or from New Zealand. So it like hits home for them. So it would have been yeah. nice if he was fighting in this card, but it is what it is. And I'll get off that tangent now. But yeah, a lot of big sporting events coming up this weekend will be fun to watch. Uh, and of course, guys, we'll see you all next week. So thank you so much for watching and listening. Where we get your podcast of episode 46 of Believe in Gleans. And we'll have the game back together, all three of us, real soon. Thank you guys so much again, as always. Let's go Mets, baby. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.